Welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And we're sleepy today. Oh man, I don't know what it is. It's just Lots a sleepy sleep. sort of day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's probably it. <laughs> that's the issue for me. Yeah. I mean, it, it helps that it's like, it's finally starting to really cool down in Seattle. Uh, yeah. And it's like, it's just kind of gray, and I, it was raining here a little while ago, and it's it's nice and cool, and I just want to, like, go curl up in bed and be cozy. Yeah, it's, it probably doesn't help that I stayed up till midnight last night playing Russ. Yeah. <laughs> so do you still, do you still have, do you like, still one... Play? <laughs> you have you got, all the You got gold. all the things, right? Yeah, I got okay. all the things, but, you know, it's... I think because it has such a, um, like a sim appeal to it, right? Like, it's not just that it's a it's a competitive game, it's also a simulation. Yeah. And I like seeing if I can make the simulation as good as I can in, like, an hour or whatever. So. Someday it's you will time have. to move on. You'll have your planet <laughs> running at optimum efficiency. Yep, basically. I'm I yeah, I'm basically probing it for optimum efficiencies even though I did get the like did I tell you guys that I got a repl- response from the developer? Did you? When I tweeted about that? Yeah. Um I tweeted that like, you know, hooray, I finally got all of the achievements for Rus and you know, I got the the 5000 prosperity in an hour. And uh, the dev tweeted me back saying, like, congrats, not even all the devs have gotten that achievement. Nice. <laughs> I was like, yes! That is, oof, that is pro strats high level play. <laughs> yep. Damn. Apparently. Damn, I, I am in the Skype presence of a prodigy here. <laughs> Or, you know, I mean, I do have over 180 hours in it, so That's I think true. Persistence is probably more the uh, the name of the game, but yeah. yeah. That's fine, that works too. Whatever whatever gets you to to platinum level Rus play. And, and I think the, uh, the final, um, uh, what face, like the, the final achievement that I got, uh, I did get through, um, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it save scumming, but I did, like, save near the end when I was doing well, and then, like, replay that a couple times until oh, yeah. I got you the that. thing I wanted. So. Yeah, you know what? I feel like that's fair, that's considering fair. considering the challenge of that. <laughs> the Titans uh, just being attacked by a village editor. Yeah, that was the problem with my game yesterday, was just, like... I got to the end of the hour and it was just endless warfare from all my villages. Oh no. I'm like, calm the fuck down, guys. Just, just calm the fuck down and smacking them around, right? (laughs) I demand culture! (laughs) Listen, listen. If you can't just stay calm and build your goddamn opera house, then I'm gonna have to throw poison bombs at you. I'm sorry. That's just, how this works. That's just the kind of god I am. <laughs> yep. There would be such a cool religion that existed in the world. If God... If, houses or get bombs? Yeah, if if God doesn't like your culture, the poison bombs. Sorry. <laughs> that's just the way it is. 
Well, at least at least we would have a very definitive what we should and shouldn't do. Um, yeah. If, if you're not being morally correct, God lets you know. God poison bombs you. God poison. I'm just I'm just like remembering the what, what was the other one where it's like God just does an earthquake at you and yeah. just levels everything. Yeah, that's raise the... a mountain on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, the the mountain titan can just like punch the ground and earthquake everything. Yeah, that's basically. like I mean that's like Old Testament stuff. I think God got tired. God <laughs> God sobered up after after the Old Testament stuff and and chilled out a little bit. God's like, ah, this isn't even working. We need to we need a better strategy. Yep. Ugh. Yeah. So I uh the problem was that the opera house one of the requirements is that um there needs to be at least four other villages besides the one that's building the opera house um and i had three villages total and all of my existing villages were so war hungry that the moment a brand new village appeared they would just go exterminate it oh no (laughs) like without question So there was, like, no way to keep the new villages around. Because even if I, like, try and decimate their army by throwing poison bombs at it and and trying to flatten it, there's so many of them that I still can't completely wipe out the army before it gets to the brand new village. And the brand new village has, like, no defenses. So they just go under immediately. It's just the the numbers are too too much. They they slip through God's blockade (laughs) just by throwing... Pure, Force, yeah. pure numbers at it. Yeah, like, like Russia. It's a it's a crusade. You know, mm-hmm. many of us will die, but it's for the greater good of exterminating this place that just appeared that we didn't don't know about. It's like you know, it's like when 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 you're the the only child and your your parents are having a new baby and you gotta gotta put them in their place. <laughs> yep. They would war with each other a lot, too, but the the existing three cities were, like, so big and prosperous that they could mostly fend each other off. So that was less a problem. Nice. But damn, do they not like the new kids. Uh, Anyway, I'll probably have to try another one later. Do better. I also played uh, uh, all of Hive Swap yesterday. Oh, yeah. Which we talked a little bit about before we started recording, but that is the, for those who don't know, um, the webcomic Homestuck has had a game in dev for, like, years at this point. It went through, like, three different studios, um, and, like, it finally came out this week, uh, or at least the first act of it did, and I played it, and it's a super cute little adventure game. Um, it's, like, three hours long, so... Nice. I didn't. I didn't like follow the development of it. I didn't realize that it was uh, so rocky. Yeah. That's... No. I. I don't know the whole story. Um, I know a lot of people were kind of upset, and there there was like a bunch of scandals that sort of went on, and it was a Kickstarter, and you know, so there were people who had put in money and were like angry, and so yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. But, but you know, it's out now. So. Yeah. You got it. You got the thing. Also, I I feel like it's like really unfair to call Homestuck a webcomic. Like that yeah. that seems 
insufficient, and I haven't even read all of it. <laughs> that is an understatement. Fair enough. It yeah. is like um, 80,000 or so pages of uh, um, just yeah, like web comics and like long dialogue like sections and, and animations, animations in it. Yeah, and sometimes flash games and just, just and, like and multiple soundtracks. Yeah, like... it's there's a lot to it. It's uh, there was a really interesting um, PBS Idea Channel on it. At once, I don't know if you guys ever watch Idea Channel. Um, I haven't but seen it's, that it, one, but yeah. It's a it's a YouTube show where they basically take um, like pop culture stuff and compare it to like larger philosophical concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had an episode on uh, is Homestuck the Ulysses of the Internet, i.e. the James Joyce novel. Uh, I, um, <laughs> yeah, and so the 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 comparison was because Ulysses is a famously difficult to read novel that's enormous. Yeah. Um, and so there was. It was about the concept of like sometimes people put value in things because it was such a struggle for them to get to complete it and to do it. And so as part of like justifying the effort that they put into it, they become like very devout and evangelical about the thing. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. And yeah. And so Homestuck is kind of like that. Like the people who are into it are really into it. Um, but it's it's a serious commitment to to get it to. And I have actually read the whole thing. I did finish Homestuck, and I do feel very strongly about it. But I understand why, like some people, just cannot get into it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read Homestuck, but I read Problem Sleuth. Yeah, even Problem and... Sleuth is a pretty big commitment. Yeah. And I just felt I I mean I lost track of where I was and like came back to it two years later. And I was like, am I going to reread all of this? Yeah, that, that's... Or am I just going to drop it? That's why I dropped uh, Homestuck, was because I I lost my place. After, like, mm-hmm. I, I binged it for, like a, like, a, like, a long weekend. I had, like, a three- or four-day weekend. And I had nothing else going on, so I was like, well... Because this was, this was right after it ended, like, so pretty mm-hmm. recently. And I, I like... I just I read it and I read it and I until I like could not read it anymore. <laughs> um and then like I had like saved it and then I came back to it a while later and it had just like erased my my save on it. Oh so, yeah, because it's cookies, cause it's so cookies, if you clear yeah. And I thought I thought I had written it down somewhere like as a as a backup, but I, I couldn't find that, so maybe I just maybe I just didn't and I I dreamed about it. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. I thought I thought the Ulysses uh, comparison was going to be that like Homestuck is uh, incomprehensible, <laughs> and I was like, I, I wouldn't agree with that. It's it's yeah, no. it's all over the place, but it's not it's not Joyce levels of yeah, man, whatever he was doing. Yeah, it's it is like it does require the in a, a similar form of like effort in that it's not like a like a just easy like, you know, slide through it sort of read yeah. the way that some things are. Um but yeah, no, it's not it's not as incomprehensible as James Joyce. Yeah. For sure. Um the good thing about Hive Swap is that uh I think like you don't I and I can't be sure of this because again I have read Homestuck, so I don't know, but my impression of it is that 
it still holds up pretty well if you don't know anything about Homestuck. It's just like a fun, weird adventure game. Um, and it's real short, so, you know, if people are interested, it's like $8 on Steam. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things that I imagine is probably fine if you haven't read it, but it's much mm-hmm. better if you have. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I we so my husband and I read it together. This was like a thing that we would do like, you know, in the mornings when I was getting ready for work and we were like eating breakfast, we would just like scroll through a few pages at a time. Um that's cute. and so we played the game together and now we're having a lot of fun like speculating on like how it fits into the larger canon and you know like you know who who's how certain characters are related to each other and things like that. Yeah. So. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I guess I didn't. I didn't think about how like that's a whole other aspect. Is is what what space does this occupy within within the canon? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a prequel, or at least the part of it is a prequel. It's uh, there's a lot of time shenanigans in Homestuck, so it yeah. it can be very difficult to pin anything down. But there seems to be some clear indications that. Um, like certain characters are relatives of certain characters that we know from Homestuck, but it's not directly about any of the Homestuck characters, at least not yet. Um, it's it takes place in 1994, and I think Homestuck is set in like 2009 to start with. So you know, it's like 15 years previous or something like that. Yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. So that's what I did. That's what I did yesterday. <laughs> I this is probably something that nobody else knows or cares about but I read uh, earlier this week uh, Max Landis screenwriter screenwriter Max Landis son of John Landis uh, wrote or published his uh, basically it's basically like nearly a, a doctoral thesis on the entire discography of Carly Rae Jepsen because <laughs> oh i saw like you or someone tweeted about this I retweet, right yeah i retweeted it yeah. it's it's like a hundred page analysis of of her work and like of her lyrics and the fact that her music fits really neatly into um like all of all of her songs fit into some combination of seven themes and it's really really dark but her music is so like upbeat and poppy, and I don't I don't really even list like I've I've heard a handful of her songs and they're they're fine like pop fare you know like they're yeah. they're they're fun to listen to. It's not really my thing, but I I appreciate it for what it is, I guess. But mm-hmm. like yeah, the the um the the content is extremely depressing. So I I don't know. It's just like an inter- interesting juxtaposition. I spent like a day on that earlier this week <laughs> when I was when I was avoiding uh, other actual work responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, responsibilities. Got a lot of those coming down the pipe. Yeah, you're almost uh, you're almost at your thesis show, right? I yes. I it's uh, Thursday. Whew. I have I have prints arriving this week because I procrastinated on ordering my prints but that's fine they'll be here in time it's just like ugh and, yeah. and other than that I have like one one assignment for my, my other class and then I'm I'm done I'm moving literally the next day so you are home free I am getting the hell out of there yeah <laughs> I mean it's not like that it's just 
It's just yeah, a no, little bit like that. A little bit. I'm getting the yeah, hell out so, of school at least. So hilariously, Kelso and I will have been doing this podcast together for two and a half, three years, something like that at this point, yeah. and have never met in person, and now will not meet in person, because she's going to be leaving before, uh, like, basically next week, so. I know. I know. There's always, I mean. We are, we are terrible at this. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there, I will probably be back in Seattle at some point, because, like, <laughs> I, I'm now, like, working on two different games with people who are here, and they're yeah. probably going to stay here. And like, hopefully, oh kitty! Oh god, the cat just bit me. <laughs> he's, oh no! He's, he's like playing with stuff, and I'm trying to get him to stop. Like he's he's going to town on on my like my nail polish bag. What are, what is your beef, kitty? God. Um, but yeah, upset that you have not that we have not met in person. I know. Sorry, kitty. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm basically yep. working working now for a company that is based out of here, but we're all just sort of working remotely because we, we're all still students. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you know we don't have like an office. We just have a, a company name, and and yep. like it's it's technically an LLC because because one of us is really good at business. It's not me. It's not me. <laughs> yeah. So. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. What have you been up to, Carl? I've been uh, playing board games. Oh, nice. Uh, we, I had to, like, analyze a single board game for a course and then make, like, an improvement to it. Oh, man. I had that so I been in that class. Playing it wasn't... Seven Wonders. Seven Wonders. Oh, cool. I think if I you played haven't that played that, it's really fun. Nice. I don't think and played. I've been having I'm having five courses at once right now, Ugh. which is stressful, but a it's... lot. <laughs> yeah, it's are working they... out so far. Are they fun classes? Yeah. That's good. Every I haven't I haven't actually had a class that isn't fun. I don't nice. think. That's good. Ever. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I have, like, bad, like, people teaching. Yeah. Like, the subject is always fun. That's good. We did that, uh, like, take a game and mop, take a board game and modify it uh, for one of our USC classes. We did um, Up the River was the game that we modified, which is a weird little game. It's I think it's by uh, Ravensburg. And the thing about Ravensburg is that, like, it seems like all their games involve, like, boards that move during gameplay in some way. Oh. Because, like, the Up the River has, like, a, a section of the board, like, is, the board is made up of, of these tiles that all shift downwards as the river flows. And so your pieces keep moving downriver un- until you, like, and you have to, like, move faster forward than the current moves you backwards, basically. Nice. That's cool. Um, they found their niche. Yeah, and uh, the uh, that's what the original Space Wolves the board game was based on. That's what came out of that uh, that class. Cool. So that's that's the one that we ended up turning into a tower defense, and Sean Bode voiced like a really terrible British accent for. <laughs> like yeah. the board game that spawned that was from that class. <laughs> um, and then 
The other game that they did that I have is called Labyrinth, where it's uh, like the board is a maze of tiles, and the players shift around the tiles to like make different paths in the maze. Oh, and you I can, played like... that so much when I grew up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it a lot. It's it's like remarkably easy to explain to people, but it still has enough complexity to be like interesting. Yeah, it's a good game. Nice. But yeah, so that's that's board games. Board games are great because they are like a sort of microcosm of. Um, I guess microcosm is the wrong word. They are a way of looking at mechanics um, of games in a very pure sense because you don't have to deal with all of the like problems that come with putting technology on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, but you also have to like deal with stuff that you can't fix. In like in computer game, like everything has to be tight in a board game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. it's a it's a much more distilled set of mechanics because yeah, you can't have like, oh well, we'll just calculate this for them in the background, right? It's like nope. If this if there's gonna be math in this, the players are gonna have to keep track of it. So it's got to be simple. Yeah. Right. So I I have to ask, since you both have taken classes where you have to pick a board game and 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 uh, you know make a change to it. Did anybody in either class pick Nightmare, the VHS board game, as their game? <laughs> I don't think we got any VH- VHS board games, which is super sad. Damn, because I have I have uh, Nightmare, and then I have the sequel to it, like in my closet. And I I one of these days I'm gonna have enough people to bust them out again. But my God, um, if if you're not familiar with this, go go to YouTube. And let, let me see if I can. When I was when I was little, my friends had a VHS board game uh, that was Star Trek themed. Oh, nice! But uh, I don't know Nightmare. Yeah, just go to, if you just go to YouTube and type in Nightmare board game. There's like the 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 like the VHS segments. The second, yeah, it's it's like a full hour long VHS, and they're uh, they're like all the tapes are just on YouTube, but the the one you need to watch is the base game, which is just like an old Australian man in a cloak, and he screams <laughs> at you. He screams at you, and it's terrifying. Like, like he'll like he comes in and he does his introduction, and then like the timer starts, and the timer just kind of goes for a while on on the TV or whatever as you as you you know take your turns and move around the board, and then at random intervals like lightning strikes and there's thunder and he just shows up and is like screaming and it's it's terrifying to play i love it (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's all topped off with like bad acting and and this man's questionable accent so yeah recommended for sure nice that's awesome why doesn't those exist anymore now when we have smartphones um there's so there's a there's a vlada khvatil one um that's uh it doesn't use vhs unfortunately um but it does have it does use soundtracks um so it's a it's a like cooperative space game where you're like rushing around trying to do all the jobs on a spaceship kind of like a little like board game version of ftl a little bit um and there's for like each round you play uh like a a track an audio track and like different things will happen like there will be comms failures and where it'll like play static and you're not allowed to talk to each other during that time and um, you know so like all kinds of little events on there and stuff 
so that that one's pretty cool. That that one's really like hectic and fun. And that we sounds, played that at school. That sounds fun. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the only thing I remember from the Star Trek one, because I don't think I ever actually played it, I think my friends just showed it to me, um, is that there was a Klingon guy on the VHS, and some of the sequences that would happen would be he'd shout, Experience Beige! And <laughs> no one knows what that means. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Nightmare game is great because, like, the, the uh, gatekeeper is what he's called. And and if he um, if he addresses you like based on either like what what uh, game piece you're playing as or you have like a number assigned to your game piece that you you draw them at random or like if you're the oldest one playing the game or if you're the youngest one playing the game he'll pop in and he'll like scream for for that person and you have to you have to yell back yes, my gatekeeper, and if you don't do it in time, then he banishes you to the black hole on the board. And you can't leave the black hole until until he tells you you can leave the black hole. Like, it's it's horrifying. It's, it's one of those things, I only got a chance to play it, like, once. And we all started off being like, ooh, this is so goofy and silly. Like, we're just gonna, like, make fun of the thing while it's happening. And by the end of the game, we were, we were in it 100%. <laughs> You know, this is what VR should be used for. Yeah. You know, like screw these like digital experiences. We need like VR tabletop where you're just like in you're just sitting around a table in a room but there's like weird people in the room like screaming rules at you and stuff. Yeah. That would be great. Like when the gatekeeper pops back up, it just occludes the the actual table and all you can <laughs> yeah. see is the gatekeeper because when the gatekeeper pops up, you got to stop playing and listen to him. Yep. Yep. Uh. <laughs> Wow, this like his his face like emerges from the board seventh guest style. Oh God! No <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man, so it's been like a half hour and we haven't talked about uh, our game yet. Should we that's do because, that? <laughs> that's because I think we didn't technically play a game this this time around. Yeah. Um, we, okay, so. <laughs> So this the past couple weeks, uh, we did not so much play a game as experience an interactive writing prompt uh, in the form of um, Elegy for a Dead World uh, by Dejabon, who are also known for things like uh, Ah, A Re- Reckless Disregard for Gravity, um, and Drop That Beat Like an Ugly Baby, uh, and various other things. There's one about um, robot pornography, I think. Yeah, yeah Drunk and Robot. Pornography. Yeah, that's what it is. Yep. I th- yeah. Sorry. So, I, gotta, I gotta point that out. That's my jam. <laughs> yep. So there. Uh, my understanding. I have not. Uh, I think the only one of those that I've actually played is Reckless Disregard for Gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, but my understanding is they're m- actually mostly known for like these sort of weird frenetic games, more than like sort of calm, thoughtful stuff, which is what this is. But uh, but if so. Like, it's, you know, it was a good step for them outside their niche, I guess. Uh, I mean, you still make, like, short, weird games. Yeah, it's still short and weird. Like, that's, that, that, is, not, <laughs> that is not outside their niche. Yeah, it's uh, just a it very is, different kind of short and weird. Yeah, it's much more meditative. Um, so, basically, it's just three, like, pretty beautifully illustrated, like, abstract fantasy worlds... Uh, and you are like a little astronaut who, like, 
walks through them, and then there's a series of writing prompts in the landscape that you can respond to. And when you once you've responded to all of them, it like takes them all and puts them in like a nicely formatted little story. And you can read your little story, and you can publish your little story through the game and read the stories that other people have published. Uh, and each of the three worlds comes with a variety of different writing prompts. So you can like pick from one of maybe a dozen or so templates, including one that's like a grammar exercise for students, uh, and one that's just like a free writing where you can just put prompts in the landscape anywhere you want to. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's just it. It's a creative writing exercise. Yep. Honestly, it was it was pretty interesting. Like, uh, I, I because I've been doing so much lately, I didn't. I I only went through like four stories, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Those those environments were really really nice. Like they yeah. they did a lot to uh to sell the tone of them like Mm -hmm. with 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 ambient sounds especially and like the soundtracks and stuff i i was i was impressed by how how nice the environments were i guess they're very evocative for sure yeah so there's uh there's three worlds um one of them is uh, there and they're all i guess nominally inspired by um poets yeah like uh various poems like i think one of them is like the kubla khan poem um but i did not actually look in depth into the original poems that inspired them because i kind of didn't want i wanted the prompts to come more from me rather than from my like reading what they're based on yeah i felt like that would spoil it somehow yeah i just know that that uh one one world is inspired by keats one world is byron and the third one is shelley yeah um, so the, one of them is, like, a, an underground, like, desert ruins, uh, and then as you make your way up, a, like, above, you emerge into, like, a, this sort of tundra area, um, out on the surface, where there's, like, the ruins of these, like, some kind of giant machine. Um, one of them is... It's sort of an industrial landscape where there's a bunch of these big floating, like, slightly triangular obelisks that have T's on them. They look like steaks, yeah. Yeah, they look like giant floating T-bone steaks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then the the third one has, like, a a giant, like, statue monument thing that's, like, held up by three, like, it's it's like Atlas, like, Atlas holding Mm -hmm. up the world, but there's three of them. And, yeah, and they're and, giant purple stone people. Yeah, and then there's like some weird, uh, creepy, twisty statues sort of towards the end of the world, and yeah. some and some like underground areas in that one as well. Yeah, I think that one might be my favorite of the three. Yeah, I like that one the best. It was the most purple. <laughs> yeah, it was the most purple. It's true. Um, and the. The prompts, I thought, were interesting. So you get a variety of different prompts at each one, and, like, one of them is, like, you are writing a letter home to, like, tell people why you are not coming back and you're staying on this place instead. Or, you know, you are telling the story of the, uh, you know, the disaster that destroyed this world. Or you are... I don't, I don't know. There's there's like, one that's, like... The worst vacation ever. I didn't. I didn't do that one. I probably should have. I didn't do any of the like comedy prompts. There were a couple. Yeah, I was of gonna comedy say prompts. some of them are more serious than others. 
Yeah. It was hard trying to like stick to comedy when the like the ambient sounds and the music. <laughs> yeah, it's a very serious sort of tone of the the space. So. Yeah, I know the the first one that I that I ended up writing like it just kind of accidentally became a horror story. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'm I'm somehow not surprised. Yeah, you know, you know. Um, the uh, I mean, partially because of the nature of the space, but also partially because it's you. Yep. Um, <laughs> I get it. The uh, the. The, the, so the prompts are in the form of like there's a little quill pen thing that appears at the bottom of the screen and you like go up to it and hit tab and it, usually it gives you like the start of a couple sentences with blanks in them um, but you can you can like delete those entire sentences and rewrite them if you want like there's nothing actually forcing you to stay to those prompts at any point um, and was... then there's one mode where it's just literally free writing where you just you type whatever. Yeah, I, that was a nice moment when I realized that I could just completely get rid of the prompts because there was, I remember there was one sentence in one story where it was like such an awkward transition between the two prompts. I was like, I don't, like, what do you want me to do with this? Like, it didn't, <laughs> yeah. it didn't make any grammatical sense. Like, I, I mean, it could have, but it definitely didn't in like the way that I wanted to take it. So I was like, what do I do with this? And then I just realized that I could erase it. it was, oh, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. There was quite a quite some time where I wrote something, then moved to the next one and like went, Oh fuck. I wrote the wrong things. <laughs> this doesn't fit at all. Yeah, so that was the weird thing for me is that like the first time you go through a world you don't know what to expect in the world, so you're you're sort of ad libbing this. Uh, like, you're if you're trying to make a coherent narrative, you're like ad libbing this coherent narrative as you discover new things about the world. Yeah, which is sort of an interesting experience. I it it gave me the feeling of like like doing, like the exquisite corpse sort of where it, yes, that's like a exactly. if, if you don't know about the exquisite corpse, it's like a a, a an art artistic sort of game where you where you have a few people and one person draws like the the top third of a of a figure and they fold it up and then the next person draws the middle piece and then the final person draws like the legs or whatever ends up being the last piece and you unfold it and you see like what this weird creation you have created is with, yep. and with... the writing equivalent is like that but with so in the in the drawing equivalent you when you fold it you you leave like you the leave very edges of, it, yeah. of the lines right yeah so that mm -hmm. people can see where to connect it so i think in the writing equivalent normally uh people write a paragraph and then um they get like the next person gets the last sentence of the previous paragraph mm -hmm. um and so you know like what how to transition it but you don't know anything else about what was in the contents of that paragraph yeah and so this this did have that feel to it a lot. It, it felt like I was yeah like 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 I had been given the drawing version and I was forced to write about each segment as it was revealed to me, sort of yeah sort of a hybrid version of that. And then there was the one the first one I played, um, which was the one with the the purple one with the big mm -hmm. statues, and I I did the prompts out of order because I didn't mm. like I didn't there was the underground segments and I didn't realize that it would be, like, really easy to come back up. Like, I thought that would just take me to a completely different, like, set of things. So it got to a point, and the prompt was, um, it was something like, 
after after having seen the blank underground, I realized that blank. And I was like, what? I don't know what I saw underground, so I just wrote something in and then realized that I had to go back anyway. So that I had to retcon what I had written in into what I discovered underground. It was... Yeah. Well, I mean, you can go back and change the things you wrote. Like, you are allowed to, to fiddle with it once you're done. Yeah, but I didn't want to because yep. I, I liked what I wrote, so <laughs> so I had to yeah. do the retconning instead. Don't you have to, like, complete every single prompt? To, to... I actually don't think you do. Oh, really? Because I'm pretty, sure I, I'm pretty sure I read um, somebody else's where they had just, like, skipped a couple of them. Ah. So, there's there's achievements for getting, like, a thousand commendations on, like, some combination of your works. Yeah, it's like... That's uh, a lot of commendations. It's like, yeah! It's like getting a thousand commendations. I was just looking at this before, like, a little while ago. Um, getting a thousand commendations on your ten best stories for each world. Yeah. So, that's, I, I guess that's if you... nuts. <laughs> if you have that many stories, it's maybe slightly easier to get that many commendations, but I can't... I honestly can't imagine that that many people are playing this game and reading and giving commendations. Yeah, like, like I read maybe two or three stories per world, and then I was like, okay, I don't need to read more of these. I mean, it, from the get-go, it's like one of the most niche games you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you have to actually commit and read other people's. Mm-hmm. You have to read like a lot of them, and you have to like it. Yeah. That's a that's a, a lofty expectation. Yeah, I I pretty much just gave everyone a commendation who like clearly put in any effort. Like the only person I didn't commend was someone who had like just typed like key, randomly key mashed uh, on the prompts. Yeah. So yeah, I read some and like this is not good, but good on you. You tried. <laughs> you tried. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So. I, I was actually pretty happy with how mine turned out. I did like one sort of uh, almost like fairy tale type uh, story about like the downfall of a civilization. I did one um, like of the like letter to another person where it's like explaining to someone about the place as you're discovering it. Uh, and then I did, I was like on the last one, I'm like, okay, hard mode, like no prompts. <laughs> uh, so I did a, a promptless one about. Uh, that was, like, in diary form about, like, uh, an indigenous girl on, like, one of these alien planets and the colonization of, like, other people who came there. Nice. Yeah, I did I did my, uh, I did one that, like, probably my least favorite one, um, which we're gonna, we're gonna post some of our stories in the forums for anybody yeah. who wants to, to read those. Um, the, like, my, probably my least favorite one, I think I did four, and one of them mm-hmm. is, like, I didn't even finish it because I wasn't feeling it. Uh, one of them was just like a boring, like, this is the history of the people and that I mm-hmm. wasn't feeling either. And then I did my accidental horror story and then I did another one that was like it, it was the, uh, the like underground desert ruin tundra up mm-hmm. top one and the, it was the prompt that was like, I used to live here but instead of taking the I used to live here literally, I, I did a weird thing where um, it was like the, the writer or the narrator like came to this planet while dreaming and while he was dreaming or she whatever could uh, mm-hmm. like manipulate the world and so became like a god emperor 
and <laughs> and was then overthrown by the people and now was visiting the planet like physically uh like after after it has been in ruins i was pretty proud of that one so that one's yeah that, that one's getting fun. posted up yeah <laughs> i mean i kind of don't like re like writing these kind of narratives like that tries to like I don't know, that tries to convey a story or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I mostly did, like, without prompts and did some, like, poems and, like, shorts, short scribblings. Nice. That seems that seems valid. I mean, there, some of the prompts were, like, literally the poem on which the world is based. <laughs> so, like, yeah. the beginnings of each of those lines. And I, I started one of those, and then I'm like no, this is stupid. Like, this is already in, like, a meter and expecting a rhyme scheme. Like, this is way too strict. Yeah, I didn't do any of the poem prompts. I was like, uh, this already exists. I can't possibly... I can't possibly make Ozymandias a better poem. Like, I can't (laughs) do that. That's beyond my ability as a writer. So I'm not even gonna bother with it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I did feel uh, that it, like, it, it did well in terms of, like, it it really, like, hit that button of, like, getting me back in the writing mode and, like, like f- getting those creative juices going. Um, yeah. But I wonder how much of that was also seeing those images for the first time. Like, I don't know if, if I did this, like, again and again, if it would work as well every time. Yeah. I mean, the big thing for me is, like... I sat down and forced myself to do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, there's a lot that's, to be said for that in the creative process. That's, yeah. That's like 90% of the work. Yeah, yeah, it is. It definitely is. I. It's one of those things, like, I wish there were... I wish there were more. Because, like, the... the, the I don't know, T-Bone Planet didn't really do it for me. I felt like there was just too much going on. <laughs> uh, so, like... I didn't I didn't like I think I think I tried to do two different stories in that one and one of them I finished and it wasn't very good and the other one was the one that I just didn't even finish at all. <laughs> so I don't know, T Bone Planet didn't do it for me. So that just leaves me with like two. I, I wish there were like some, some more environments, I guess. Yeah. That's that's actually what I was gonna say is like I feel like for this to be helpful in a like long term way, it would almost have to be like different every time you logged on yeah and there's no way you could sustain that because like clearly those environments take a ton of work mm-hmm. so like I, I feel like there should be some way to 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 build them from sort of like a tile set almost like a a preset. or crowdsource it yeah or crowdsource it which i mean if you're crowdsourcing it then you get then you get the problem of people doing the visual equivalent of keyboard mashing um, just, yeah. Well, just but so it that... would, you'd have to, I mean, you you could curate it some way, or you could do this same kind of, like, you know, let people vote yes or no, and then, like, just go through, you know, and, and do the best ones or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it would also, like, create a change of tone. Mm-hmm. That's true. And you could have, like, um, you could have people drawing based on what people wrote about other environments. Oh, so it'd be like, it'd be like a, like... Uh, telephone basically yeah, so you like have the environment dictionary. then someone writes about it then someone draws a picture of that and it's slow that would be that would be actually really interesting. you made two games yeah yeah and have them connect that yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> that could be that could be like a really good like 
sort of creative MMO. <laughs> it's like MMO telephone Pictionary. Yeah. That's actually... A, I love that idea. <laughs> I like creating a space where people can create for other people. That's that's actually something similar that I've seen uh, a couple times sort of recently on Twitter, where it's like, like illustration or character design telephone, where somebody does an illustration or like a, a character design, and then the next person does sort of their own take on that character, and then the next person does their own take on the one just one up the chain without seeing the first one. So it just slowly evolves over the course of like, you know, seven, eight, ten, whatever illustrations. It's it's interesting to watch like what people sort of home in on and and flesh out more and what they discard and then what just gets left out over the course of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I like that kind of stuff. That, yeah. That kind of spitballing bouncing ideas around. Yeah, because there's there's something um there's something very unhelpful about the the entirely blank page, right? Like the best sort of creativity needs the little like grain of sand in the oyster, right? It needs right. like yeah. the little bit of something with an edge that you can kind of grab onto that you can start spinning stuff around. Yep. Um, and this is almost like the uh, elegy for a dead world is almost more than you need in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like it's really cool and it's really evocative, but like you can get your sort of creativity moving with less than that when you have to. Yeah. I mean, what it does really brilliantly, I'm actually not sure, but it, it feels like it could be a thing. And that is, like, for a person that doesn't write, it really helps with how to pace a narrative together. Yeah. That's fair. I will agree with that for sure. Because yeah, like I don't know, I didn't I didn't try to write without prompts, but I know that if I had, without looking at any of the prompts, even it would have just been like, first there was a thing, and then I saw another thing, and over there there was a third thing. <laughs> like, uh. being without the prompts definitely was hard mode in terms of uh, I didn't because I was it was also it was my I was in the purple world and it was my first time being there so I had no idea how much of the space was left yeah. when I was leaving behind the prompts so I like I I sort of rushed the ending because I like ran out of world <laughs> I'm like oh shit we're already at the end of this crap uh, dang okay <laughs> yeah and I, I would imagine it's much harder to go back and and reorganize unless you just want to like drop 10, 10 little prompt bits or, you know, 10 little writing chunks, like, right at the very end, just to wrap it up. Yeah, what you do, I, like, a long story at the last prompt. Yeah, what I probably would have done, should have done, is um, wander through the world first, and then go back to the beginning and start putting prompts down. Yeah. So I had more of a sense of it, but it, it was fine. It's fine. Yeah, I had the issue, like, the first time it was really hard. Not only because you haven't seen the area, but also, like, you haven't seen the prompt. Yeah. Yeah, I did. There were a couple in the very first one with the, um, with the, like, four colony. I did the four colonies prompt, uh, for the Byron world, the, the sand and, and snow one, Mm -hmm. um, which is about, like, four successive colonies that were on the planet and how they each, like, rose and fell. Um, and there were definitely ones where when I saw a later prompt, 
I like went back to the previous prompts and edited the text because I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Uh, okay, I guess this one actually died this way, so let me change that. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I guess that's just the editing process. I. Uh... It's all. Fa it's fair game. All of it's fair game. Yeah, I, I guess to be fair, that is how I write when I like write my novel. Like I'll be writing something like midway, and I'm like, oh, I mentioned the like I mentioned a foreshadowing to this somewhere in the first chapter that's no longer accurate. I'm gonna just dart back there and change that right now, and then come back. Yep. So, that just may be my normal writing style. Yeah, that's fair. See, my problem would be that I like, oh, I dropped foreshadowing and then completely forgot about it. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, I have I have a weird like, I don't know, like net of memory that I tend to be pretty good at like maintaining connected chunks like that. That's good. So. Yeah. But I still have to like you know go through and read the whole novel a couple times and then go wait a minute that actually doesn't make any sense based this on what happens this later. Doesn't add up. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. You just gotta just gotta do that retconning. Yeah. It it reminded me that like I am capable of like writing and putting together a story if I put my mind to it and I really just gotta put my mind to it more often. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I used to write when I was like younger, and I don't anymore. But so this was like a this was a a fun little thing to to do to just sort of try to flex that again. I am theoretically uh, in the middle of a novel, uh, my second novel, um, but I I like haven't been, um, I I just haven't been writing it lately, just because of uh, the time mostly. Yeah, and uh, you know, I need to like not let that be an excuse. I need to find like yeah, know. you know an hour <laughs> in the evening or something like that yep. to do it. Yep, it's yeah. You've like, got to have someone to force you. Yeah, basically, like I did this because it was my obligation to do it for the podcast. So I need to find a way of like making it an obligation to myself. This is what you gotta do. You just gotta go and do write your entire story in Elegy for a Dead World. Just. Just, just, just <laughs> pop into the 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 no prompts, and it doesn't just write your own story, but in this, like, just ignore the world. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Problem I mean, solved. As a, as a text program, it's not really that impressive. <laughs> that's true. It is a very simple text editor. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. And I like when I was writing. <laughs> I did some, a lot of, like, no prompt stuff, and I, then I realized, like, why am I writing this in the game? <laughs> I could be trying it and doing it anywhere. Yeah. It's just making it hard for myself. Yeah. The, I don't know, I, I, I found, after doing a couple prompts, the experience of doing the no prompt version was really interesting. Like, it was more difficult, but it was... It was a, a strange comparison, I guess. I don't know. I was I was too cowardly to do a no prompt run. <laughs> That's fair. Again, it is hard mode, so <laughs> Yeah. And and we know we know how you do with hard mode. <laughs> with your five thousand prosperity points in an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well that's true. Now you have to just... write about it. 
Yeah, now you just gotta write 5,000 words in an hour. Good luck. Yep. Have bronze medal, silver medal, gold medal. That's that's probably not... my. What I used to do when I did nano um, was uh, 2,000 words a day in two hours. Mm-hmm. So, so I think 5,000 words in an hour is probably not good for the quality of the words. Yeah, probably. That's like, uh, there's a thing that I've also been seeing... Uh, you know, on art Twitter, where someone someone just made this thing up because they found an Amazon seller that sells a 600-page sketchbook. And they came up with the idea of the sketchbook slam. And it's, finish this entire 600-page sketchbook in a month. <laughs> so, like, 20 pages a day. And I I saw that and I'm like, that's, a, that's an interesting challenge that I am in no way, shape, or form ever going to attempt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the problem I have with challenges, because I'm like, I can do more than that. Oh, no. <laughs> and then I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, no, it's... Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for, like, you know, like, you, if you do that many sketches in a month, your art will probably be better by the end of the month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but on the other hand, like, the stuff you do... The, like, quick sketches you'll have to do to do 20 sketches a day is, like, the sketches themselves are probably not going to be that great. Yeah, and, and like, I think the worst part of it is just the pressure of knowing, like, I gotta do 20 pages of sketch today, like, is enough to make me completely unable to do any pages. Like, I what I would... I will stick to Inktober, which I am getting ready for. Fair enough. Uh, I would prefer something more like, you know, you have a 600-page sketchbook, and each page has, like, a prompt. Yeah. Where it's like, try drawing this. You know, try drawing this. Here's, like, a sentence from a poem to inspire you. Here's Mm -hmm. a, you know. And I know there are workbooks that are like that. Yeah. That's that are like journals that's like, you know, like, destroy this page. Like, color on this page in crayon. And, you know, like weird stuff like that but but i mean yeah and that's why like every every year you know mid mid september you start seeing like 50 billion different versions of the the inktober daily prompts list Mm -hmm. and i last year i mean i didn't get through the whole month last year because family issues derailed me like halfway through the month um but this year like I'm I'm basically coming up with my own list. So because I'll look at a list and be like that, like half of these look cool and half of these just look dumb. Uh... Yeah, so pick and pick and choose from whichever lists you want. Yeah. Exactly. They do the dumb ones. Yeah. <laughs> I I saw a really good list that was like um like uh like comic book villains and it was just a list of made up like comic book sounding villain names and it it actually looked kind of fun, but I don't I'm not that into comics, so I feel like all of my my entries would be pretty, like, really basic surface-level shit, and I, I, I don't really want to do that, so... Well, so, uh, to go, like, slightly off the rails here and just start recommending media, yeah. um, do you watch uh, Drawfee at all on YouTube? I've watched, uh, yeah, I've watched, like, a handful of episodes... Yeah, so it's a, it's just a group of people who the whole thing is that they like they have a they get a prompt, and then they 
like draw that prompt live uh, on YouTube and sort of narrate the experience. But they always have like funny, weird prompts, and they did a couple of them that were like um, like Marvel villains, obscure Marvel villains, where the prompt was the um, one of one person would find an obscure Marvel villain and give the name. And, like, a description of the power set to the person drawing. But the person drawing would never have heard of this person. And so they would just make it up based on the name, basically. Nice. And then they compare to see how close they got to what the, you know, what the character actually looks like. That's cool. And some of those are, are pretty fun and pretty ridiculous. So, like, being good at it is not necessarily, like, the most important part. As yeah. long as it's fun, right? Yeah. I just I don't know I, I feel like I'm gonna get through get through the month better if I if I know I'm invested in my, my yeah things. that's fair that's totally fair so I'm doing like I've I, I like have started putting together a list and I know I'm gonna have to expand my parameters but I'm doing like like vengeful mean scary goddesses like <laughs> like like just across cultures like decay and death and you know like war goddesses. And then I'll probably I'll probably have to expand that into like like mean ghosts. Nice. Like like Japan has a lot of uh, like in in folklore and urban legends. Japan has a lot of scary lady ghosts that will kill you in a lot of different ways. It's great. They do. They have that. That's yeah. true. So that's what I'm. That's my. That's my plan. And I'm hoping to actually get through the month, and then like pull it all together into. I want to make like a physical little zine and sell it, but I probably won't. I'll probably just make it a PDF and throw it on Gumroad. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know. Sounds good. Those are my plans that will probably not come to fruition. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> as we as we all have. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my like my games that I'm theoretically supposed to be devving and haven't touched in months at this point. Ah, I still have I still have the the paper prototype materials for uh, turn up the heat sitting on top of my computer. Nice. Like I did I did actually make a paper prototype for that game. Hell yeah, yeah. I've got I've got like little bits and pieces and scraps and stuff of uh, of my my big my big dumb visual novel where you yeah. smooch the boys and also the girls. That seems important. Yes. Um. Yeah. No. I mean. I think. The lesson, the takeaway from the experience of Elegy for Dead World is you really just need, like, a little bit of a kick to get going, and then it's not that hard. Yeah. But, but dang, that first kick can be, like, a really tough thing to, to stumble onto. Yeah. I mean, once you start, you kind of want to finish it. Yeah. yeah. That's it, too. That's it, it, it helps when you can see, like, okay... I've done 10 out of 15 prompts. I just got to do five more prompts, which you don't have if you're if you're doing a hard mode run or if you're like writing something air quotes for real. Yeah, I think that's why things like, you know, NaNoWriMo and Inktober are useful is because they give you a definitive goal. It's like, okay, you need to get to 50,000 words or like, okay, you have to draw one thing every day. Yep. And, yep. you know. <clears throat> Yeah, I like I like that kind of stuff, and I 
like I feel like every every year there are more like themed art months like like this year there was mermaid and there was um god there was one in august too that i saw a handful of people doing um hmm. yeah it's like i mean i, w- I want to see some statistics of how many people give up halfway uh probably most of them <laughs> yeah i mean the the uh I bet NaNoWriMo has those statistics because they're, like, the website has a tracking thing where mm. you're supposed to, like, write oh, in yeah. your word count every day. So you can probably see how many people, like, what percentage of people actually... And, I mean, it, you know, there's probably people who actually do the writing and just fail to track it. Yeah. But assuming everyone's tracking accurately, it would give you pretty good data on, like, who all gave up and how soon. Yeah, and it's like none none of these art things are, like ever really consolidated in that way as far as I can tell. It's just like you you tweet it and you put the hashtag. You Instagram it and you put the hashtag. Like, mm-hmm. And that's the extent of it. I mean, the problem with that is it's possible to use Twitter for like a month. <laughs> nah. You yeah. can follow too many people. Can you, that could be too. Uh, can you block certain hashtags on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah, I think. I so. mean, I, can, like, I know, I know it lets you. Yeah, I know it lets you mute like certain words. So I'm, I'm sure that applies to hashtags. Yeah, so you can just mute the hashtag for you know, Inktober or whatever, and then not I see, see all of those. some. <laughs> well, yeah. Look. Then you're screwed. Yeah, beggars it's all can't or nothing, be man. Yeah. Look, this is Twitter. You expect it to work well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As it turns out, yes. Yes, we do. Buddy, have I got some news for you. <laughs> like, listen, you might want to sit down for a second. <laughs> I'm still I'm still mad that they got rid of the option to not notify you when somebody likes a tweet that you're mentioned in. And, like, because that used to be a thing, and I turned it off immediately. And now, now that they've made it so that, like, everybody can see the tweets that you're liking, which is also terrible... Uh, it 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 turned that back on by default. So now, whenever I like have a conversation with more than you know one person on Twitter, it's just there go your notifications because you see everybody in the, in the conversation liking every tweet in the conversation. Oh, why did you do this to me, Twitter? Yeah, but like trying to have a conversation on Twitter, it's that's the first mistake. That's you know you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> I get so confused. And I feel I so old. <laughs> I'm like, I can't deal with technology. At least it's not Snapchat. What's Snapchat? <laughs> uh, Snapchat is, uh, from my understanding... I know what Snapchat is. <laughs> yeah, I know. But from my understanding, Snapchat is designed to be, like, actually... Like, like literally intentionally designed to be unintuitive. To keep uh, parents from joining it, so kids will like stay on it because the normal uh, procedure for social media is that like you know kids it gets popular with the kids and then the parents get on it and then the kids see that their parents are on it so they jump ship to a different social media platform yeah um and so snapchat was designed to be unintuitive for parents so that like kids who have a you know plenty of time to figure out how to use a social media site like get comfortable with it but their their parents will never join them there that's that's a good strategy. Like I I've never used Snapchat just because I I have very little interest in taking pictures in general, which mm-hmm. which is sort of the big thing. 
about Snapchat. Um, yeah, that's I. I didn't realize that that was sort of their whole mo. And I like I like I like what the fuck I love Snapchat now. <laughs> now you're gonna get in in the Snapchat business. Yeah, yep. I'm not gonna do that, but I will appreciate. I will appreciate that that business plan that they have. Good job, Snapchat. You're doing it. Yeah. Yep. It's almost like we're not talking about the game. <laughs> we sort of we sort of still are in a way. Um I was going to say about Twitter though, like probably not the best place to have a conversation, a place that like literally it's designed on limiting the amount that you're allowed to say at once. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I have real serious ass conversations on Twitter. It's it's more like uh, long strings of memes. And that's what I do best. Yep. Queen of shitposting over here. <laughs> that's what Tumblr is for. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. This, this ended up being more about uh, creativity, I guess, than about specifically about uh, LG for Dead World. But that seems appropriate. I mean, it's hard to, like, say anything about the game that is, like, plain to the user. It's, well, it's literally a prompt. Like, what we just did was use it as a prompt for our podcast to talk about creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's, it's funny because we, we came into this being like, y'all ready for a short episode this week? And, and my recorder is saying, like, an hour 18, which, I mean, I know, like, maybe five to ten minutes of that was us just, like, setting up, but... Still, we the the rule of podcast time is inescapable. Yeah, it does end up being about it. It'll still probably be on the shorter side of our podcast, yeah. on the shorter side of average, but it is still within a standard deviation. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. All right. Well, that said, do you want to introduce our next game? Yes, the next game um, we will be playing uh, the Dream Machine uh, chapters one and two. It's so this is a an episodic point-and-click adventure game that is done all in uh, claymation. Um, and you can buy the first two chapters for four bucks on Steam, and then subsequent chapters are uh, five to six dollars a piece. So we're just going to be doing the first two chapters, um, I guess, unless any of us get really into it and decide to do more, but... I mean, I own all. Oh, you do? We'll see how much... Okay, yeah, how I, fun see how it is. far you get. Yeah, I only have the first two, so... I mean, I think I also only have the first two, but I'm not positive. I very well could end up getting the rest just because I'm a sucker for claymation, you guys. Oh, boy. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so point-and-click adventure game, cool claymation art style. Um, Honestly, we were talking about who's going to intro the game this week. None of us really know anything about it, so... yep. Literally, so. the reason I'm uh, the reason I'm getting th- that I got this game uh, was because my mom asked me if she would like it. Um, she's because she's she used to be an animator, and so she has some you know interest in like unusual art styles and animations and stuff. And uh, I guess she technically used to be a puppeteer, and her dad used to be an animator, um, and she just helped out in his uh, studio. But anyway. Um, so she, you know, she really liked Machinarium, and she's like, I don't want to, you know, buy this game and start it if I don't know if I'm going to like it. So why don't you play it and see what you think, and then tell me if you think I'd like it. Because if you think I'd like it, then I'll try it. But if you think it's too hard for me, then I won't get it. 
So nice. So I'm gonna see if it's too hard for my mom. That's a good. Well, I didn't. Didn't I feel like you told us this story like a while ago? So like, has your <laughs> yeah, mom been waiting we... a while? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This. I mean, she has, but she has you know plenty of other things. She never That's finished true. Machinarium, so she has oh, other okay. things yeah. to work on. Yeah, Machinarium. I Machinarium was definitely it. It got it got really adventure gamey. Uh, at yeah. points. I don't think I ever finished that game, though it is very charming. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's Czech, so, you know, that's a Czech studio. Yeah. And so she was, she's actually played, uh, she played the Samorost games by them, so she was excited to, you know, to try it. And it's, it's real hard, because my mom is not much of a gamer, um, yeah. so it's real hard to find something that she likes. But if there's something visual that's, like, striking enough about it, and if it's if it's um, low pressure enough, then uh, she can be talked into it. So I have I had her play Machinarium and I had her play um, Monument Valley on mm. her Kindle. So what about we're getting um, there? Uh, what, Baby was, steps. what was the one that we played uh, with the plant little plant boys? Botanicula. Oh, Botanicula. Yeah. She hasn't played that yet, but she really ought to. She would love that one. Yeah, but Botanicula sounds like a, a good a good fit for your mom. Yeah, I think so. This also reminds me, like, I feel like you mentioned, like, a long, long time ago about how, like, your grandfather worked with Jan Svankmeyer. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so that's, yeah, her dad, her dad ran a, uh, an animation studio uh, in Prague and did uh, a lot of stuff that's, they're actually, um, next year, uh, they're opening a museum exhibit of his work uh, in Prague, so. That's I'm, awesome. I'm like, yeah, I'm super excited. I'm going to go, like, see it, because it's like my grandma had all this stuff of his and like nothing to do with it and she didn't want to throw it out it's like all the stuff from his old studio and so like there was a there's an animation museum in Prague and she's like can, can you guys like, want you this stuff yeah <laughs> so they're like you could just give that stuff to us and she's like alright here take it I don't I don't want it anymore I'm, what would I do with it and so yeah so they're gonna do like a, an exhibit on him that's really cool and, yeah so yeah. I'm excited yeah awesome yeah, okay, well, yeah, we're playing the Dream Machine. It's It's got cool claymation stuff. Yep. Maybe we'll play a lot game, of it. Yeah. So we'll see, we'll see how obtuse it is. Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's more, more like Botanicula Samorost than it is Machinarium. Just because <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I, I just get so annoyed with adventure game logic when it's, when it's really, when it's really adventure gamey. I, I hope it's... I'm okay if it's more like Machinarium. I hope it's not like King's Quest. That, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Machinarium is definitely not as bad as, as as any of, like, ye olde Sierra titles. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> like, half the stuff they play on Mostly Walking, basically. Yeah. yeah. Man. The torture. Yeah, Sierra games is... <laughs> it's rough. It's yeah. very rough. Uh all right. Well, so th- this is indie, so there's a chance it'll either be like much smoother or much more like inconsistent. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting, and I, uh, I will, I will, I will only talk about the art next time, probably because I can't get enough. <laughs> That's my. That is my role in this in this world. Is to be the guy that harps on the art. For better well, or worse, <laughs> we'll see. We'll yeah. see if there's if there's if that's the most interesting thing to harp on or not. Yeah, that's true. 
Because it could also be kind of a horror game, which is also in your bag. So. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to tell because it, the, it looks really eerie from the trailers, but maybe it's just eerie or maybe it's actually scary. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm getting. I'm. I'm just like. I'm. I'm. I have the Steam page open. I'm just watching it scroll through like the, the screenshots, and there's. I'm getting real, real strong like surrealism vibes, which yeah, I I, I am into. You love oh. me some surreal. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. All right. Uh, plugs and stuff. Let's do that. Uh, I hello. I am Kelso Time Bomb, uh, on Twitter at Kelso Time Bomb. I have an art Twitter uh, at K Time Bomb Art. I haven't posted anything there in a week because I'm like, no, more than a week because I'm scrambling for portfolio stuff at the last minute. But that's where you can find my stuff. And I do this podcast that you're currently listening to right at this very moment. So I don't actually need to mention that. And you do it so well, too. Oh, shucks. Oh, (laughs) shucks. Yeah. All right. Uh, I am Kyla Fury. I am at Kyla underscore go on Twitter. Um, I also do a stream every Sunday morning, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, and we stream old classic games that I missed when they were new, and that, you know, so we kind of see why people are nostalgic about them. Currently, we are playing uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and oh my god, am I having so much fun with it. Yeah. I am really liking this game. It is really well designed. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing, and uh, and it's fun times. Follow me on, on Twitter, and you'll get, like, updates about when I'm streaming and stuff. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on the Twitters at, at Skug3. There you go. Cool. Yay. Excellent. You are, you are like our uh, our version of Anna Chizinski from the No Such Thing as a Fish podcast, because they when they do their sign-offs at the end, everyone else has a Twitter, and she's, like, the one person that you email... Um, <laughs> so it's like all the rest of us have a thing. I mean, and, I um... can give you my email. <laughs> nope, that's fine. You'll tweet. You'll tweet about the games you're working on and the classes you're taking, right? Uh, eh. We'll you're see. Not, you're not the boss of him. That's true. I'm not. I'm <laughs> not your real try. dad. You're not his real dad. Uh, all right. Yeah, this has been a podcast. We're gonna play the Dream Machine for the next couple weeks. It might be more than two weeks because I will be moving and uh, it might take me a little bit of, like extra time to get up and running. But, you know, I will I will make that known on Twitter yep. if that happens. Yep. Just because Kelso's moving doesn't mean that we're giving up the podcast. Podcast nope. is still continuing. Podcast so. is still continuing because we do it all on Skype anyway. Yep. <laughs> it's the future. The future. Uh, so yeah, Dream Machine, get it, it's on Steam, play it, tell us what you think. Yeah? Yeah, thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye! Bye. (laughs) Really rough, really rough outro. Yep, that's that's alright.